Welcome to another jam-packed, full of energy, uh, Snap No Tap podcast. Tony Cicchini here along with, you know, I love to say his name, Giuseppe Cardinale. That's the way it really should be said. But he goes by Joey Cardinal. Um, how you doing, Joe? Doing good. Good, my friend. So you had your seminar today? We Yes. So we did our seminar um, in Downers Grove. At, oh, I guess it's the cusp of. Glen Ellen Downers Grove, um, right off of North Avenue, uh, DuPage, Krav Maga, great bunch, you know, great bunch of people. Every month we hold one there, um, and we're going to be giving you the address. I guess we're going to be putting it up on the web, my website as well. The next seminar there, we, we're always shooting for the third Sunday of the month, unless things something happens, we switch it. So the next seminar there will be. Sunday, October 16th, 1-6, at 10 a.m. But we're also going to be doing a seminar the day before, October 15th, on the north side at Bender's Martial Arts and Fitness. You know, we've had Jason Bender on here. We're going to be doing that one. It's going to start at 12. But we'll get more details on that when it gets closer to uh, crunch time. But, yeah, now it's interesting. I want to discuss, first of all, I want to thank Justin Brown. Um, and you know, he's been a guest on our show, a firefighter, EMT, um, as he likes to say, the EMT in his case stands for extra magic touch. Okay. Uh, he was here cause he's part of my Tri-C program. So he was here this past week for a few days, uh, training and he's a very good, well, first of all, he's like. The high, one of the probably the highest ranking American Japanese style martial artist. Uh, he's been to Japan many, many times. Um, they have a different belt ranking system than we're normally used to, at least I am. Normally, over here, you go from first to eighth degree, then you have maybe a ninth degree, like Grandmaster. Theris goes way more, he's like a 15th degree. He explained it once on here. But he knows how to learn, right? He he wants to start crawling. He wants to start at the ground floor, learning these techniques that are absolutely essential, not these flashy, flamboyant things or even, even active submissions that will not work if, if you don't know how to control a person. So I appreciate a guy who, who, who wants to get there. Uh, and that's what we've been doing like at today's seminar, uh, working on hip heists, sit-outs, uh, bridging and rolling, and uh, because it's not a it's a seminar, but it's not a seminar seminar where it's 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 this group and the whole public is welcome. We need more bodies for sure, but we're gelling. You know, it's a gel group, so 
I can improvise, which is what I'm known for. So when they're doing something, I'll say, now, let me give you the further picture. You don't have to practice this today, but this is where how doing such and such a move, such as the hip heist, is going to um, get you somewhere, okay? This is this is where it'll lead you to a submission, where as opposed to you just fighting on your back or fighting static. We also worked on spin drills because spin drills are so important, especially on the ground, learning sometimes when you don't bridge because you can't, Maybe you can't hip heist for whatever reason, although you should be able to most of the time. But let's say you don't uh, or can't. You also can do spin escapes, which a lot of people don't know about. And spinning is what really gives you like the you're you're, you're like you're like squirrely, like slimy. You're hard to you're hard to control. So in essence, what it what it what it boils down to is once you understand all of this, nobody on earth should be able to keep you on the on your back. You should be able to get out. Okay. Um, Plain and simple, you should be able to get out of these situations. Uh, <clears throat> so that's where we started today, with 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 uh, the crew and downers, and we're you know. So I've been doing nothing but fundamentals with these these guys and gals, um, and that's really the secret to longevity and effectiveness is learning these uh, these techniques. You know, these these non-submission. Or non-striking, or whatever you want to say, you know what I'm trying to get at, Joe. Well, yeah, I mean it's the equivalent of learning your stance and footwork in boxing. You know, if you don't have that together, it doesn't matter how hard of a punch. Eventually, you're going to stumble over yourself. I mean, you need, you know, it's like the analogy of building a house on a foundation. You know, um, you've got to get that foundation set in the right techniques, absolutely, and you've got to be comfortable. You know, because there's going to be times when someone who's for whatever reason, you know, whether an accident happened or someone's more athletic, they may put you on your back and you have to be comfortable getting out of that, you know? So you, you want to be, and I think having that confidence allows you to engage, you know, like, Hey, let's, I'm going to take that shot. And, you know, if, if I'm not able to take them down or I end up in a bad way, I can, I can wrestle my way out of that. And so um, I think the people who've it's good that they have the maturity to see that. It's good to hear that Justin is appreciating that. And like you said, it's probably from his years training in other styles. Uh, I think, you know, some universal truths come out, but it's like, you know, yeah, you can have all the fancy things that are on you know, on top, but if you don't have that foundation, uh, you know, when, when the thing, when stuff gets real and it gets dangerous, you're going to, it's going to, you're going to wish you had. So um, it's good to hear that. That's what they're working, you know? Um, and like you said, it's something you should just be part of your regular routine. You should be working. Well, and it's something that you, most of these moves you can practice without a training partner um, and stuff on the feet. This is what separates the greatest from the, the flamboyant, the, the, the flash in the pans, um, so to speak, especially like musically. You, you've had a lot of guys that could play some flashy tunes, but can't play tunes. Uh, we're going to get to that later on today's podcast. We want to talk about something regarding that. But it, it is these core moves, okay? The, this is what separates it. And I'm telling you people out there, fundamentals will last you a lifetime. Now, I'm very unique as far as I know. I'm the only catch wrestler guy that literally, I mean, outside of children nowadays, but I'm the only one that ever started this as a child, okay? I started this in 1977 when I was 13 years old, okay? I was a kid. So... Most people are starting it as a, an adult. Um, so I, I've been lucky that way that 
I was raised in an era where kids are seen and not heard. You do what you're told, shut up and do this, blah, blah, blah. So I kind of did that, right? Um, and I know that it takes patience and it takes perseverance and it can get boring. But it it, it was no different than music where you got to do your scales and all of those things redundantly. Um, it's up to you as a person to make it challenging for yourself. And one of the things that today's people at the at the uh, at the seminar they were out of sh- they were gassing from this. Okay, so it's also a good workout for you, Justin. Too, you know, Justin couldn't do this for two hours straight. You know, you, you so it's also a very good conditioning exercise, coupled with shadow boxing on your feet. Um, you know, moving around and sprawling and pre- you know doing your penetration steps. You alone can create a little workout uh, scenario here of using moves that are all fight-oriented, not shit that that doesn't pertain to fighting, okay? Um, And, of course, I'm I'm here to set something up for you. I could could set up the routine, and then you can tweak it. But um, it's just pretty neat. You know, it, it's it's a way of, and everybody's going to be different. So it, it's like music. Like if certain people like to listen to music when they work out, I'm not one of those guys, by the way, but some people like to. But that doesn't mean that everybody wants to hear the same music. Okay, so if I were to listen to music, people think, well, I'm a jazz guy, but probably I don't listen to music really when I work out at all, but I don't know about jazz. I don't know what I would listen to, but whatever it is may be different than what Joe listens to. So same with these little individual workouts. Um, you you would get to the point where you would customize it for yourself as far as I would tell you how to do the exercises. You know, um, you could put them in a little, you know, scenario of your own and and make a nice little 15 to 20 minute circuit. And I think the other thing, and I think it's, What's really cool is, um, like, obviously people are getting into Krav Maga as adults. I'm assuming most of them didn't wrestle in school, you know, and a lot of those skills, you know, if you you didn't get them, you know, most where people or most fighters and grapplers get that is when they were trained in, you know, middle school, high school, or, you know, if they wrestled in college, that's where they get that. But very rarely is that stuff taught to adults who are trying to learn how to defend themselves. You know, and I think it's a, a big missing part of the game for a lot of people. Um, and so it's a rare opportunity, I guess, as an adult to get that type of training, you know, uh, because it's just like I said, it's it's usually uh, exclusively something you get in an academic uh, environment. Like you said, you were a kid when you learned it, even though you didn't get it in that stuff in school specifically. But most people, that's where they get it. You know, I know a lot of grapplers who are just like, oh, I wish I had some wrestling experience, you know, and it's hard to get that stuff now. So, and, um, and also, not every grapple or not every wrestler, high school wrestler, or whatever, focused on these. These they they had a cursory. Um, they know what a move is. They know what it probably a hip a sit out is or something like that. But a lot of them don't like spend. They you know, they may not. They they weren't all mat wrestlers. Okay, um, so they may not have worked on it really hard. Or if they did, it was years ago. And also the the point of these moves, the way that I would do them, is different than an amateur wrestler because of of they have rules to follow. Okay, 
And my thing is not necessarily escaping per se to get points. Mine is changing my position to hurt you. Okay. Um, so these moves are modified at times as well. So even an amateur wrestler would sometimes uh, do a move that would work, but be ineffective. Okay. Um, because, for example, slipping a punch. For those of you who are watching on YouTube, uh, for those of you who are not watching, I should say, it wouldn't pay to slip a punch two feet away, right? Because then you can't counter. You got to learn to slip just, you know, just inches. So you're you're in a position where you can counter. Well, that's the same with this stuff. There may be a situation where you want to do a long, you in a wrestling man, I am amateur thing, you do a long sit out. But in this case, you may not because if you do a short, let's, I'm just using this as an example. You do a short sit out, you know, that guy may follow you in certain ways. And now a submission will open up. See, where that's not going to happen in the amateur world at any level. Okay. Um, so the whole focus is different. So it, it's really, it's a unique training experience here, especially when you're not focused on uh, submissions. Okay. It's not, Submission, submissions. It's learning how to control a person, and it's actually learning how to wrestle. Not performance wrestling. Real, rotten down to the core wrestling. Um, it's real cool. Yeah, I think that that's a really excellent point because a lot of times, you know, whether you're getting it from books or videos, there's very few who. Um, well, no one's been trained their wrestling. I think they may be trying to retrofit their wrestling for submissions. Some people Correct. do. Um, but, you know, a lot of times they'll work whatever, you know, mat wrestling, whether it's top or bottom positions. And it's all within the context of, well, hey, now you got to this position and you you got escape points or you got, you know, like the minute you start working the wrestling so with some of these coaches, their brain is still in wrestling mode like well you know the whole point of wrestling is to have takedowns or pins and gets points and uh and they may not even realize it that they're censoring themselves or not seeing the opportunities you know so there's really you know there's very few if any besides yourself people who are trained in wrestling specifically in a combative method you know well you're right and even nowadays the combat you know the submission it's all sport oriented with their own set of rules that scores points that disallows this or that. Um, I don't know of anybody who's, who has the knowledge that I have that's strictly for being the most elite, like hurting people, killing people with your bare hands. That's the ultimate point. Okay. They're more geared towards the sport aspect of it, which is fine. It's just completely different. So to tie again, it tie in again with the music, I knew a guy named Sam Incaparo, okay, phenomenal jazz accordionist. He passed away a long time ago. Sam lived out here. He lived in Chicago, Barrington. It don't matter. Um, but Sam was, he he's one of these guys that studied with every known major player. I've never met a guy that studied with every major, every known major player, okay, that taught. So the problem with Sam was, he had all the technique in the world, way, like, I mean, like, phenomenal technique. And he played the chords, all that jazz, heavy chords. 
But when, like, if he's if he's hired like on a gig to play a polka or some shit, he's still playing all these block chords and fancy runs at me. It doesn't fit. Okay, it it doesn't work in folk music. All right, you got to play things simple. <laughs> so it it was there was a clash. All right, so Sam didn't get a lot of work in certain venues where he had more technique than the than, than ever was needed but he didn't know how to control it so um so that's what sometimes happens you know like what i teach is like all the technique you could ever it's overkill technique but you have to learn to tone it down in certain tournaments or even ufc stuff some of the stuff i show it's not work it's not allowed in MMA and any MMA. Okay. So you can't be the Sammy Capero. You've got to, you know, you have to know to, to, to take it out. And, um, that's not something I was raised on. I mean, I was raised on doing anything at any time to anyone, anywhere. Okay. It wasn't until the UFC and all the, not even like the UFC, but these grappling tournaments came up in the nineties where in essence, you can't do anything, especially back in the 90s. Oh, my God. It was like, are you kidding me? Can't do this. Can't do that. Low, no legs, no neck cranks, this, that. I'm like, well, forget this. This, is, this isn't even wrestling. I don't know what this is. So uh, I had to learn what, you know, how to, like, in essence, tone it down, how to take away the fancy runs and all the block chords, in essence, and, and, and simplify it. I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it. Because it wasn't the way I fight. It wasn't the way I was taught. It wasn't the way real catch is. Um, but, you know, people were coming. They're like, Tony, I can't do this in the tournament or that tournament. And every tournament, no matter where you were in the country or in the world, back then especially, everybody had their own set of rules. Uh, it was chaos. You know, so. I, for seminars now, you're teaching it. Uncensored, right? Like you're teaching it the yes. way you learned it. Yeah, I, well, I'm teaching it. Yes, I'm teaching it. Ultimately, they'll get all my knowledge in in the course of it. It will take years because, you know, we're not training every day. But all my stand up, ground, everything. These guys in like DuPage haven't gotten to the rips yet, okay, or anything like that. It's not. They don't need it. I'm accelerating it. I mean, I'm not dragging their feet like. It's not going to take them 10 years, but, you know, you can't rip, you can't strike, you can't do anything brutal if you cannot control the person, okay? Just, you know, it's a waste. Um, you, you, you have to know how to control a person and not be controlled, okay? Uh, that's the essence of this, whereas, you know, some of these people at the seminars, they have a jujitsu background. And, you know, it's all about you fall into this, like, pattern, I guess you'd say, okay? Like you would in music. If you're playing a certain genre of music, you use the same chord changes, and it becomes a rut. So what, when, when they're with me, they see this whole different world of, wow, you can do this, you can do that, and they're not used to that. So they have to, first, first of all, learn the move, which will take time, and then start to apply it and start more, more, more importantly, thinking outside the box now, seeing things differently. So for me, in music, it worked the opposite way. 
because I started with simple stuff. I, you know, simple chords and simple, simple. I couldn't understand jazz chords. In essence, what I teach fighting wise is like jazz. It's like heavy chords, heavy, 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 improvise, all that. That was all Greek to me. You know, I couldn't understand that when I first started the, the jazz music. Even though I played jazz drums, I, it, that was just rhythm. So for me, it took a long time uh, to adjust musically. Fighting-wise, I, I, I had no exposure outside of boxing. And maybe every Sunday or Saturday, they had Kung Fu Theater on. I'd watch some Hong Kong Chinese martial art flick. I had no exposure to martial arts. I didn't know how. I had absolutely no exposure to amateur wrestling. The only wrestling I saw was pro wrestling. And even as a kid, I realized, no, oh, this is malarkey. So <clears throat> I was a clean slate. So I was lucky. Okay, Rod Vaughn, I was lucky. Rod Vaughn didn't have to untrain me. Okay, which I don't know if, I mean, would he have had the patience? I don't know. Um, but the, it's a difference. It's, it's, it's a big difference. And what I see a lot of people doing is just trying to add submissions to wrestling or trying to blend judo or uh, jujitsu and wrestling or whatever style they, they want to call it catch wrestling or they want to call it combat wrestling or shoot wrestling, this and that. I'm sorry to say that's, that's, it's not the way to do it. I don't mean to, I mean, I guess I'm berating. I don't mean to berate. I'm I'm trying to turn the light on. And and when you do it like that, okay, it's like getting a plate of food, totally unflavored, and then just adding salt and pepper on your own at the table and then eating it. So it's not, that's not the way to have a, a real meal, a real gourmet flavored meal. The ingredients that create that flavor, those spices and all of that shit that's baked in, that's made in, all together with the food. It's not added on later, okay? You don't bake an apple pie. You don't bake a pie, and then when the pie's out of the oven, put the apples on top. You bake the shit in. That's how this has to be. You have to learn this baked in, cooked. That's the only way for it to be, you know, world class. Otherwise, it's just going to be... uh a little different, right? It's, 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 I, I just can't explain it other than that. Well, yeah, it kind of ends up being thrown together. People are trying to piece together two systems, you know, and I think it just, a lot of it's just a lack of knowing the history, you know, of, of wrestling. You know, there's a lot of wrestlers who don't realize there were submission submissions in wrestling, you know, they, you know, maybe have a clue. They may at some subconscious level from seeing pro wrestling. But again, that, if anything, makes people think anything that was related was fake. But, um, but yeah, when you have something that's in some ways the approach is very different, it's hard to meld two different disciplines, you know, even though they're very, they're, they're similar in some ways. Um, and in some ways I do, I mean, you probably won't like this, but I do feel in some ways, your your approach to submissions and grappling for jujitsu guys might be more compatible in the sense that, you know, people who some of the sport people are trying to do sport catch, 
you know, they end the match when there's a pin or they, you know, they don't want to turn their back where at least your goal was similar to jujitsu in the sense that it was like, ultimately the goal is to, to, to put the submission on. So it doesn't matter that you've got a hold down on someone, you know, I mean, it, that's just a means to an end. Let's say the fight isn't over until it's actually over. So there's no artificial end to the contest, which is what I think, you know, jujitsu is at least the way they try and train. So in some ways it may be more, like I think your approach, the way you were trained might jive, might light bulbs might go off for them. It might be seem more natural for them, even though I think certain things like obviously they don't have the wrestler's instinct of getting off their back necessarily. And those things might work against them, but still, like they say, continuing to fight, you know, when you're, when you're, yeah. when you are on your back or when you, when you've pinned somebody, it's not over. So in some ways I see some compatibilities there that I think people who are doing jujitsu should be encouraged, especially to look into your, your specific style uh, of catch the way you were trained. And that's why I think it really dovetails well with Krav Maga because those people are strictly considering self-defense. You know, these well, are, that's it. Yeah. This, this is a martial style. I mean, an actual, I'm going to war when I'm on the mat. I'm not there to play a game. Um, but you know what getting it's the old catch wrestlers in a way it's their fault because they were all fakes. Okay. They all, even guys that some of them, there was very few that really knew it. They were faking it. Okay. They, they had to go out and perform. So, you know, everything about them changed the way they applied it, the way they move. They didn't spring a real move, uh, bust a major, major thing because it wasn't needed. It was all about entertainment. So they alone kind of created the the image, and then it just you know kept getting more flamboyant as it went along. Um, and it's kind of ironic because this will throw people for a this is a curveball. If you look at old videos of Liberace, the piano, it did take a turn. I wasn't expecting his name to come up. <laughs> right on. Well, if you look at him in the fifties. He'd come on with a, with a suit and a tie, regular suit, necktie or something. He'd look normal. I mean, he still played the way he played, but there was, you know, it was plain, plain piano. Then he went with the can candelabra. And then as time went on, he became more flamboyant with it. The the studded pianos, the the the, the dresses, you know, the, the outfits that he wore, the the uh mirrored uh rolls royce limos and flying through the you know on the stage it just went crazy that's how wrestling was okay that's how pro wrestling catch wrestling was it started like minor entertainment like liberace started out and then it just drastically got more and more and more and more to to where it was just i mean if you follow if you tracked along with it you probably enjoyed the changes became completely entertainment you probably got overwhelmed with it and all good but it lost its its real essence which was you know wrestling forever was deadly combat i've said this before the toughest men the deadliest men in the world were wrestlers going back thousands of years it was always them okay and and that lost its way along the way, okay? Not to say that amateur wrestlers aren't tough. You know they are. But naturally, they don't do the 
strikes or the bites or the rips or the joint locks. You know, they, but there was a time when everyone did. I was lucky that I learned it that way. Uh, and that's, you know, I, I was hopefully going to create a resurgence on it 20, almost 25 years ago. Um, you know, but yeah, it's, you know, enter into history, man. You know, when the toughest men on earth were, were wrestlers. I mean, the most feared, period. Good times. It still is the hardest training you can get. I mean, you can. Oh, you boxing's know. tough. Boxing's hard. <laughs> yeah, but it's, you know, it's it's like you I, I think we said it's a kind of a more of an aerobic. I mean, besides the punishment from the strikes you're taking. But as far as if you're going to get a, you know, you look at the grueling workout of a wrestler, you know, the anaerobic nature, the muscle, muscular workout. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know. To go live for a few minutes, you know, anybody will tell you that's that's going to be a real challenge. You have to be fit. You can't mess around. And, um, you know, I want to kind of go back to your Liberace analogy, you know, and you actually, I, I think a, another parallel is you kind of brought up Kung Fu theater. I think it's very similar in a sense. The parallels there is that, I mean, in some ways you can't blame Liberace or these wrestlers because if you want to make a living. Yeah. You know, you, this is how you put butts in the seat, you know, and, you know, ultimately you got to pay the bills. You know, everybody needs to eat, you know, you need food and shelter. And so if this is, is this bringing in the bacon, then it just makes sense that it hasn't, and the more you do it, uh, what's the goal? If the goal is to make a living on it, then they do that. And, um, uh, but unfortunately, like I said, like, yeah, Kung Fu, you know, like I think, you know, I remember you always talked about how Rod Vaughn said some of the moves should be so subtle and, and nuanced that you could be surrounded by a room full of guys watching and they wouldn't know what's going on. You know, like they wouldn't know why. And I've actually seen that where you've put a top wrist lock on me. We had, we had uh, one of our friends, Ron Omari, he came over the first time to meet you and you put a move on. He's like, why is Joe tapping? He, you couldn't even you couldn't even see what you were doing. You know, you had me pinned and you're you're already cranking on my arm but it was before it was like an obviously in a submission position that he's used to seeing and I was already in pain and I think you know that's no, there's no way people up in the nosebleed seats are going to want to pay to see that they're not going to want to see you know a, a real fight real fighting is either too horrific to show or too boring in some ways you know it's over so quickly you know or so nuanced or something just grotesque happens you know it's it it, it has to be sanitized down you know, for if if you're gonna, and that's the unfortunate thing. It's just it's probably the natural way these things evolve. If if the you know if it's a entertainment, if it's spending, it's not treated like a martial art. There was never like a separate school for wrestling as a martial art. You know, it was done for sport or it was done for entertainment, and both of those have their drawbacks. You know, I was thinking about the other thing I often see with highly skilled wrestlers, guys who are just amazing athletes, but because the rule set in wrestling, there'll be certain little habits that they'll that they don't even notice. Like they'll put their hand, their open hand on the mat a lot, where their fingers are exposed. You know, they don't even think about the fact that their fingers could be at risk. That someone who's really, you know, because they're it's been drilled into them since they were kids. You know, they they trust that the person they're wrestling is not going to be doing, or the ref's going to stop something. So they don't. They're not even conscious of that. They're leaving little things open, something like that, where someone could get a hold of your fingers and snap them, you know, but that's something, if you're really in a grappling situation, 
life and death, you better hope that that's not your instinct, you know, that you've got that drilled out. So there's little things like that that probably add up. That's just one example of, uh, you know, I mean, I, the other thing I always think about is it's a position, you know, it's the referee's position or a variation of that is the turtle position that you see in judo and jujitsu. And how often I'll see guys just camp out there feeling that they're safe, you know, so you grapple them, you pin them down and they get to their hand, their knees and elbows or their hands and they'll pause and they'll catch their breath. And it's like, you can't do that. Your, your spine is vulnerable. Your kidneys are vulnerable. You know, it's, you, it's not a place to pause. It's very vulnerable in a real situation. And, and it's just too easy in these things where it's like, well, these are, you know, the, well, again, the rule set, you know, at a certain point becomes subconscious for you, you know, as an athlete, you don't, you think you're safe because they can't get a choke on arm, you know, like the obvious things aren't exposed, but it's like, your body is just so vulnerable in those situations if you're once you take away the rules and especially like I said yeah go ahead but that's my point and there's there's another thing that's often I don't know if people even realize it but you know me I'm always have always been about getting the fight over with quickly and I'm when I say quickly it shouldn't be more than 60 seconds okay I mean it should be over fast because um the knowledge is so I don't want to, well, I'll use the term secretive. It's not necessarily, but it's just so limited. Nobody's going to be able to defend against this. But there's a big thing about this. Even if it's equally matched or people nowadays have been exposed to submissions, it should still be over what you should push yourself to end it quicker because unlike judo, unlike Brazilian jiu-jitsu, unlike boxing or football or baseball or anything, we have as as a as a as a catch wrestler in a, in a in a in a fight i have an unseen opponent okay that even if i was going up against you there is an you have an unseen ally working against me okay so it's never me against you it's always me against you and your ally and you know what your ally is sweat because the longer this goes the more you're going to sweat, the more you sweat, the harder it is to get a grip. And that's something that people tend to forget because when they're working out, especially in the gi, the sweat really doesn't matter anymore because you're grabbing the cloth. Same with judo. Okay. Wrestlers, amateur wrestlers, they're not going for these limb grabs. They're going for, they're locking up in a way that the sweat isn't, I mean, it's there, but it isn't as big of a deal. With us, man, it's sometimes you've Got to be precise. Get this shit over with before the guy is soaking wet. And now getting a grip is going to be almost impossible um, at times. So that's another reason to get it over with quickly. Don't let that hidden ally get in the game. Um, Even in drilling, like at the seminar today or any other seminar, these guys are working out before I get there. Okay, they actually have their crop class. And then after, because they start early, and then, then I show up. They're already dripping wet, okay? I mean, they're they're soaked when I get there. So, you know, it's fine with me because, you know, I'm going to still get those locks out. Well, right now we're not practicing the locks. It really don't matter. But even when we were, it's okay. But I had 45 years' experience at this. I mean, coming into it fresh, it's hard to get that grip because you're going to be slipping out, especially when you're a beginner. So learn to get that fight over with fast. For many reasons, but that's another un, unspoken reason. That's a really good point. 
Yeah, well, you know, there's there in the street, of course, you don't want you know, you want to get it over with before there's interference of some sort. Um, yeah, you just the longer the fight goes, the worse it is for you, and, the, and it reflects bad on you. Um, Lou, Lou said it, I'm sure Rodvon came up with sayings, I don't recall all of them, but Lou said it once you're playing with a loaded gun, they're they're firing blanks. Okay, always remember that. That's how you have to look at the opponent. You got that loaded gun. This for so first of all, be careful with it because you could really you could kill somebody or seriously hurt them. But also respect your abilities. But also know that yeah, you you shouldn't be playing around here. Okay, this should be over with. Uh, Post haste, you know. Let's get it over with. I'm gonna have to mute for a sec. Hold on. Keep talking. Um. Yeah. So. I gave Martin his Zoom yesterday, and so Martin watched the uh, uh, rewatched the Tyson Razor Ruddick fight of years ago. And while Tyson won, you know, Martin made some comments, you know, about Tyson didn't look as sharp, this and that. Now, I, Tyson is what is a student of the game. Okay, he's a historian. He's he knows boxing. But he had different coaching at that point in time, I believe. I don't think Kevin Rooney was still with him. But whatever. The point here is Tyson is great as he is or was. And all the knowledge he had, um, he I guess he couldn't self-analyze enough. He couldn't tell in his training that he had dropped a step or two. Okay? And that that happens to every single one of us. All of us. Okay? All of us. That's why it's important to have a great coach behind you, okay? You self-train when you, you know, if you have to, but you have to have that coach. Like when I do the Tri-C, that's why it's not pre-recorded videos. And here, just practice it. And in a, year, in a year from now, without any interaction with me, you come and take your test. I know that other martial arts schools do that. Other, other martial arts systems do that, okay? You can't. You need that constant correction and guidance. All of us do. And to tie it into music, you have these, well, Jamie Abersold and some other music minus one, these play-along, they used to have these play-along albums and shit. Now you can get them, you know, YouTube, and you play along with them, all right? That's fine, okay? But it's not the same as playing with a bunch of, you know, playing jazz with a group. Uh, you got to go on the road or you got to play jazz all the time to bounce off of each other's creativity and to have the other musicians uh, maybe tell you something or maybe you can ask them something because maybe the guitarist did some really sweet changes or the piano player did a nice crutch lick or something. Hey, what did you do? You know, you ask. So that's the problem. Even if somebody as great as Tyson, all of us, while being self-analytical, is needed. It's not always enough. That's why you absolutely have to have a great coach behind you. And um, I had told, I think I told Justin Brown, and this works for coaching, but somebody told me, a musician told me this many years ago when I was a kid, um, but it pertains to coaching. But he said this. He says, you know, you got to have a great instrument. A great instrument is going to help you. And then I think I said something to, along the effects like, yeah, the greatest instrument that I can afford. He goes, no, 
Not the greatest instrument you can afford. It's the greatest instrument that you can't afford. Okay. So whatever it is that you can afford, that's not going to be good enough. Don't even bother. Save up until you can get even better. Okay. Go levels upon levels. And then Lou Fez said something like that too regarding coaching. I forgot the exact, but it was when he somebody he asked Lou, somebody asked Lou on the internet about the training with me and or training and, and Lou said only Tony, he's he's the best. Go to Tony. Then the guy said it's he's lived so far. And Lou said something to the effect of when you're getting a coach, you know, you're gonna go for a ride with the coach. You might as well go for the, the longest and the best ride you can. Um and 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 that's why he referred him to me. So it's kind of the same thing. Seek out the best that you can. And if if the best right now is unattainable, wait. Wait until it is, you know, wait until you can get the best piece of equipment or the best instructor. It's worth it because a poor instrument or a poor instructor can set you back in ways that you cannot imagine. You, just believe me there. You, you, you have to believe me. Um, save it for, you know, get the best. Well, and I'll just say, in your case, you're completely affordable. You're no more expensive than any other coach out there. And that's not that's not a slight. I mean, oh. I guess it's it's um I mean it's showing how generous and available you are. And just a reminder to people, because one of the, the thing the drums I keep beating I've been over this as we, the history of this podcast is one of the hard lessons I've had to learn in life is that opportunities aren't always there. And your coaches and you know, you know, I I got it lulled into it specifically with you because I trained with you for a little bit, dropped out for a while. And in the back of my mind, it was like, oh, he'll be there. He'll be there. I'll go back. The guys will be at the tool and die. You know, like I just assumed things wouldn't change and people would always be there. And I, and I, and it literally wasn't until I was getting, I can't remember when I reached out to you in my mid forties and it just dawned on me, shit, if I'm getting old, Tony, you know, like there's no guarantee here that any of us are going to be around. You know, I, you know, you and I are both in that age group where we're losing friends, you know? Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, there's just no guarantee. So if you, if you're spending the money to, to get any training, why not get it, you know, strike while the iron's hot. If Tony's available, do it now. You know, this is my, this is the commercial portion of the uh, broadcast, <laughs> but I'm not serious, you know, that um, I just don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. And uh you know, I'm happy people like Justin are, are realizing that and taking advantage of it. Uh, but those, you know, when you run into someone, when you know someone who has some expertise, I, I'm just always shocked, I guess, how much often I see people, yeah, I'll get to it, you know, next year, next six months or whatever. Now, granted, there's injuries and life gets in the way, you know, but seriously do some self-analyzing. If, if You know, why, why wait? You know, or don't wait because it may not be there for you. You know, um, well, and you mentioned earlier about the old wrestlers or whomever putting food on the table. It's economics. I've said this a million times. If people don't train with with me specifically, let's say, or whomever the instructor is, you don't buy their products. You don't support them in any way at all. They're going to go out of business. Okay, plain and simple. And then their life has to go on and they'll go on in a different direction. And they'll probably never get back to what they were doing again. Or if so, it'll be with limited hours, part-time or on the side. And, you know, for years I've, I've done without expenses, you know, because 
I wanted to be able to be the only one teaching this like this. And so I sacrificed. I could have been retired by now. I could have had a regular job somewhere. I could have made a shitload of money. I could have had a pension already. Um, I I gave all that up. So uh, I don't know who else can say, you know, it's a mistake. I, if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't have done it. Um, and you know that because I don't feel appreciated. I really don't overall. Um, but I did what I what I did. And um, I'm proud of, of that. And I'm proud of the people that I've met. Um, but yeah, that's why now let's segue, guys. Let's let's make this personal about me now. I'm trying to get back into the accordion, okay, because I let that go for a long time. And, you know, my first jazz teacher, he's he's gone. Ronnie Moon's gone. Jerry Sigler is, we don't know. So, it you know, he lost his wife. Jerry is unreachable, okay? So, I again, I... I'm living a regret. Now, you know, I'm trying to make up for lost time, and I'm going to have to do a lot of it on my own, okay? So I live with regrets. I do. I live with a lot of regrets. And and there's a difference between mistakes and regrets in my life, in my opinion. Mistakes just sometimes are unavoidable. Regrets, you drop the ball. You screwed up. It's on you 100%, okay? And I have, I, have, I have regrets. And I don't want anybody else to have to have those regrets. So if, if, if you people out there are looking for a coach or if you're looking to, you know, take a vacation somewhere or whatever, try to do it while you can. I mean, look what happened a couple of years ago with the pandemic. Things change. And even now that the pandemic is basically gone, certain things are no longer there. Things that you may have wanted to see or do are no longer available. So nothing's permanent. Um, really strike while you can. Now, I had mentioned to Justin Brown while he was here. This time last year, I was still taking care of my mom full time, da-da-da, all the way up until instantly in May. So I really didn't have plans for 2022. The whole country was coming out of the pandemic. I still was dealing with my mom for basically six months of this year. Okay, it's only been a little over three months that she's been in the nursing home. So during those points, since then, I've had to deal with getting my homestead stabilized. And I'm just trying to get through 2022. So 2023, I want to start keying up. Booking students, you know, for like the three-day program or the five-day program. Or if you want something more like the Tri-C thing that I offered shoot me an email, um, and then doing seminars, okay, uh, next year. But now's the time, starting now, to start booking this stuff, kind of like a vacation. You know, sometimes you can just do it on a whim, but other times you got to plan ahead. So that's what, um, you know, that's what, you know, we've got to start reaching out, let people know that, you know, if you're going to want to do something, you got to, you can't just, you got to plan ahead, you know, start making the move. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, just, yeah, your, your point about the pandemic was just another example. I can't think of how many businesses or restaurants have closed that I want, you know, want to go and I didn't take advantage of. 
and they're not coming back, you know. Um, and some even unrelated to the pandemic, I've had that where, you know, my favorite place for chicken wings closed down unexpectedly. Um, and it was always a hopping place. I was really surprised. I don't know what Which, happened. What is it? So you probably remember this. This was in the 90s in the city. Um, and they weren't really known for their wings. It was just I liked the way they did it. It was um, by Elston and Fullerton. I think the place was called Dixie Q or something like that. It was like an old gas station that they had refurbished into. And it was really, they had done like a lot of like Cajun style food or like Southern text. I, I can't even describe it. But again, it was for a couple of years, it was just really rocking. Every time I went there on, you know, on the weekends, it was always busy and maybe some business mismanagement. I have no idea. Just was closed and never came back. It was one of those things because I was almost one of those I wished you know, if I had some forewarning, I would have paid attention. It's like, I yeah. need to like try and understand how good, they, why are these chicken wings so good and how are they made? And like, I would have tried to, but it was just kind of gone before I had even a chance to think about analyzing them. Just, just lost that out of my life, which is there a There was small a great bar- barbecue rib joint over there on, on Western near Fullerton by the movie theater over there. Um, well, I knew exactly what you're talking about. I've been there. Yeah, I'd see movies. Some, sometimes my buddies would meet up. We'd have barbecue right there. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, like Fat Willies or so, I forgot I what it was. But, yeah, yeah. Huh? yeah, I don't remember. But yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It was something about. like a weird name. But yeah, it was absolutely phenomenal. Now, they closed, but not because of the – they closed before the pandemic. A lot of places, you know, have closed. People now, they're going to have revisionist history, you know, not only currently, but in the years to come, they're going to think that, Everything closed because of the pandemic. That's just not true, okay? So many places that I know of, I mean, like freaking Sabatino's for one, Como Inn, all of these places closed years before the pandemic. Um, the Chicago Brow House, uh, Old Warsaw, you know, these places were gone before the pandemic. So things sometimes don't last forever. You know, we're not like old sequoias or, you know, turtles or some shit that live for, you know, hundreds of years. And and also, like, the fighting thing, like getting back to athletics, fighting or tennis or anything athletic, you know, you can still get good when you're older, but you'll never be, like, as good as if you started when you were 20 or whatever, you know. Reach your potential. Um, Yeah, right. So you need to have a coach. Let's say you're really elderly, okay, but you still want to be a part of it, right? Somehow or another, that's where you need to have a coach that's going to be um, compromising, you know, not expecting you to be able to do the moves, you know, perfectly or, or whatever it may be, but to at least pick your brain for the knowledge. Okay. And then be creative as the instructor to still test this person. Maybe it has to be a written test or an oral test and, and have that person go through it. I made a private one, another one of my Tri-C guys that lives in tech uh, in Canada. I made him a video the other day when Justin was here. Some of it was techniques down in the ground, kicking and stuff. But I sat here on the couch and talked about visualization because he's into that. And I explained exactly how to visualize. Okay. Because it it's not just what you think. Okay. It's not just close your eyes and, watch stuff don't work that way okay um it's it's never going to sink in so i went into depth i think i spent at least 15 20 minutes giving him demonstrations literally examples of how i visualize 
and uh, and how you can visualize anywhere, anytime. Uh, so it, it doesn't take physical skill to do that. It's all mental uh, abilities. And it makes a difference. It really does. It keeps you alert. It keeps you fresh with your techniques. Um, so there's a lot of ways to train people, especially if you're injured or, like I said, you're old and you, or you have a you know some sort of a handicap. You just have to find the right coach or or teacher if it's whatever the the uh, the trade is that you want to get better at, and and work with him or her and and explain your situation and and hopefully he or she has has a good outlook and say yeah I'd love I'd love to be able to help you. You know, not everybody will say yes. Some will say, well, I'm too busy or I can't, you know, blah, blah, blah. But be persistent. You know, look for the best that you can find. Yeah, and that's something I struggle with, being an older athlete. Um, having a coach that can, you know, I've worked out with Being him. an older what? Just being an older athlete, you know, an older athlete. Older martial, athlete, yeah. Um just someone training, basically. You, but you called. You said you called. You you said you're an older athlete. I know. I look young. I know. I, I you want to. You're you're upset to the fact that I, you don't think I'm a young athlete. I can see. Understand why you're hesitating. But, um. But yeah, you know they don't. There's some coaches who will train a 20 year old. They only know one gear. You know they only know how yeah. to train young 20 year olds. Cold you know. Blast. Yeah. You know, just push it till you pass out because you're not gonna. You know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, is this the big one? You know, like, is this the, is this the time they carry you off the mat, you know? And am I going to get injured with some young person or whatever? It's, it's like I said, so having a coach who can customize and, and appreciate that. You know, I know a lot of people get these young personal trainers who just, they, they think the only answer is to push, you know? And it's not that the push is wrong because you have to push yourself, but it's finding that balance of how do you do it in a constructive manner and not a destructive, you know, because if you push too far, too off, too quickly, and it could even be a younger person, someone who's, who's not been physical before, you know, it's not, it's not like a one size fits all for training. And uh, it, it takes a good coach to be able to read that and balance that amongst all their various students. Yeah. And the best coach for you may not be the best coach for your next door neighbor. It's, it's there's that personality, you know, um, that goes along with it. So if if you're just trying to learn um, the te- you know, some of it, there has to be an interplay between the coach and the student and the student's going to have to make some compromises. The coach may have to make some compromises. It's difficult for any coach to do this when you're in a group setting. OK, because you can't you can't tr- you can't spend if the, if the class is an hour. You, you can't spend 50 minutes on one student. You, you got to cover the whole class. Um, but there's no substitute for uh, getting that knowledge. And you need to find out, does your instructor have that knowledge to give? Okay. And if they don't, what, what knowledge, what, what, where are they at level-wise? Forget what black belt they have. That's irrelevant. It's just how much knowledge do they really have and Okay, so now you may you may know how much they have. Can you get it out of them? Okay, and then let's say you do, and you get their 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 whole you know well of knowledge. Then you you probably got to move on. Okay, you got you got to move on. Uh, I had to do it with music. I went 
as far as I could with one guy, and then I had to I had to move on to another guy. Okay, I had to elevate it or whatever the word is. It wasn't derogatory. And when I moved on to the other guy, I still say my first my so Ronnie Moon was a great teacher. Okay, he related to me. He was just phenomenal. Okay, Jerry had so much technique he was so good the best there is that it was i couldn't relate it was almost like unattainable for me it would be like buddy rich you know giving me lessons it'd have been cool to say i trained with buddy rich but it would have been so mind-boggling it it would work against me if you get my drift it would be like this is a mountain that I can't climb, okay? So, you know, and and it's not all just on Jerry and Ronnie. When I was with Ronnie, I was starting out with jazz. I cared, but I was still a drummer. I cared, but I started to love. And I fell in love with the accordion. And then when I switched to Jerry, I cared. I cared far more. I was deeply, deeply, as we turned out to find out now, lifelong in love with the accordion. And I couldn't cut the mustard. Okay. I could cut it with Jerry, with Ronnie, because it didn't, I, I, I really enjoyed playing the accordion. But with Jerry, it, it now became a passion, a love that's lasted me the rest of my life. And I failed because I just couldn't, I didn't. I I just didn't reach where I could have been. So I, it's bittersweet. So that may happen with some people too. They may end up getting the God of the trainers, right? They may, if you're in the, you know, 50, 60 years ago, it may have been Bruce Lee that you wanted to train with. You might've went to Bruce Lee, but for whatever reason, maybe you weren't ready or things just didn't work out or he was too busy with the movies or something. So, um, but you won't know until you until you try. And and Jerry did what he could to, to motivate me. It was just that things in my life were, things happened, health-wise, physically, set me back that I couldn't overcome. And then my heart just sunk. So if so, I've been there, people, is what I'm getting at. I've had the heartbreak of maybe you wanted to be the greatest jiu-jitsu guy in the world and you blow your knee out or you hurt your back and now you'll never be as good as you could be. I can relate. You know, even if you want to email me just to talk, you know, just to gab without training, that's fine because I've been there. I, I can share though that heartbreak. It sucks. But I think that goes too with like life experience. You know, having a coach that's that's been around long enough to have had those ups and downs in trainings, who can appreciate that. I think. Uh, I think on last last week's podcast, I joked a little bit about it, but it's like having a therapist who's just out of school. They're not going to get it. You know, um, it's stuff that they learn from a book, but someone who's had a career um, is going to be able to, you know, go through the ups and downs and be able to hopefully connect with you. And yeah, kind of to your other point about, you know, your coach may be an amazing martial artist, athlete, whatever you want to call it. But if they can't relay that information or the way they relay it doesn't click with you, you know, you may, there just could be that lost in translation thing that that boundary where for whatever reason you know 
he may be training other people and they get it, but, and then I've had this and I don't know if you've had this. I mean, it's just like having a tutor. Sometimes you have to have someone else explain to you the same thing and they explain it just slightly different. And all of a sudden, Oh, now I know what they're trying to tell me, you know, like it it just, however it was, there's just that human imperfection, you know, and, and the limitations of communication that sometimes you could be with a coach or someone who's can perform spectacularly, but they, they can't get it in your head, you know, or maybe your body just, you know, their body can't figure it out, you know? No, that's true. Because like, I think the world of you, I think you're a great guy, wonderful and this and that. Then after I get done talking to your wife, I realize you're not right. So it sometimes takes somebody else to turn that light bulb on. Yeah. And, um, you know, like I said, I, she, she told me the checks in the mail. So yeah, good. No, tell her, tell her hi. Um, but no, you're right. I, I, I sometimes, I used to say Bruce Lee, our Bruce Lee, right? Ours. He was the greatest coach. I mean, he has that patience. He can explain things. He's real calm and shit. Whereas I'm like, the world's about to end. Okay. I'm like hyper, right? So that don't click with everybody. We know that, right? I can be caustic. I, I get all that. When I'm out oh, of the gym, Tony. Huh? You caustic? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, here's a funny thing. When you, you know, so so many guys would come to train and then they'd want to go out and have a few beers. They're like, man, we learn more in the bars than we did in the gym because then I'm relaxed. I don't care. And I see things happening in the bar and I could say, okay, look, this, this, this. You could do this to that guy, this, blah, blah, blah. Um, because here's a little anecdote that people probably don't think. I wasn't raised in a martial arts school, all right? I mean, I didn't do my training in a dojo. I don't feel at home in a dojo, all right? That's not where I learned. I, didn't ever, I never learned in a dojo. Boxing, okay, I, I, that's different, but this stuff, I didn't learn in a dojo. So when I walk into a dojo, I mean, it, it's not like I don't have fond memories of Oh, when I was 13 years old, I came in here as a white belt. And then I had my black belt ceremony, you know, years later. But I don't don't have that. All right. That's not my gig. And it's weird because it does make a difference. Like you go to a martial arts school and they'll bow, you know, they'll do this. They'll see a picture of some, some guy on the wall and they'll bow to it and shit. I don't do that. Okay. That didn't happen. All right. Yeah. I have a picture down in the basement here of Luthez and, Stanley Rodman, all that. Nobody's bowing to these people. You know, this isn't what we do here, okay? We respect them in a different way. And it's 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 a whole different philosophy here. But maybe if I was raised in that environment, it'd be different. But I was raised to honor people in a different way. You honor people by deeds, okay? Like I told Justin I used to wash his car or go grocery shopping or whatever when I got older. I that's things. You you help people out physically. You know, you you it's in good deeds and good thoughts and good you speak well of someone like that. That's how you honor them. Um so but it's all different strokes for different folks. So for me when people come to train with me, I told them I'm an asshole on the mat. I mean I'm gonna be mean, I'm gonna be probably nasty to you because this is life. This is what this is all about. Off the mat, it's a different thing. But yeah, I'm not your friend. I'm not your man. friend. 
Huh? <laughs> yeah, you're you're a huge asshole off the mat. You're just an asshole. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but I'm not your friend on the mat. I'll be your friend, even though I can still be an asshole. But I'm your friend off the mat in the gym on the mat or wherever we're training at in the in the in the grass. I'm not your friend. You know, just get that straight. But would, wouldn't you rather be hurt by me emotionally than to be hurt by somebody stranger physically? So my whole gig is to is to make sure that you don't get hurt. Like I told you a million times, I was told as a kid, the worst pain, the worst beatings, the worst anything is going to happen here. Anything that you're going to run into on the street is going to be easier than this. Believe me. And it's the truth. You know, uh, everything, nothing could psychologically or physically damage me like that training did. Again, I, I don't know if I could go through it now. You know, if I had to start now or relive it, I don't know if I could. I mean, I'll never know. I'll never find out. But um, that's how I wanted to impart it to other people that this isn't, you're not training for sport here. Okay. This isn't touch, no touch, you know, stuff. This is life or death. I mean, real, real, I mean, I don't know how many times him and I talked about killing, uh, like, death. I don't know how many martial arts schools do that. Well, you're talking about dying. And we did this on a weekly basis. It might not have been daily, every workout, but it was certainly weekly. Or we're talking about killing someone or being killed for real. So it's like a military, probably like a you know, sniper training or some shit. But um, unlike that, this is so up close and personal. Um, this isn't being an, an assassin from a mile away. This is right there uh it it's 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 mind blowing joe it it's mind blowing and it's scary because you're so isolated you know it's not like police officer training or something where you have a vest you have a taser you have a baton you have a gun you have a radio blah 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 you don't have anything you know it's just you no weapons no collie sticks, no machetes. You're learning just you. It's bare naked. It's bare bones. It's not you're not physically naked, but you're like you know, yeah, yeah. Metaphorically, you're you're bare naked. Well, you have to pay extra for that. Is that the? It's a, no. There's coupons uh, every third, every second Sunday of the week. Okay. You get coupons for so you know. For the naked um, training. Okay, excellent. Yeah, but no, I'm just telling you, man. It's not. But that's not training for everybody. There's some people like, I'm not into that. That's too hardcore. Now, I get that. You know, but if you talk to any world champion at any sport or any any endeavor, music, like we talked to Corey Pesatoro, we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, they did sacrifices to become the best that most people wouldn't want to do it. Okay, they'd be like, it, it's not that much. It's no longer fun. If I have to give up all of that, okay. Now, we had a uh, a conversation the other day, you and I, with uh, a guy that we're trying to get here on a, as a guest. I met him about 12, 15 years ago. Um, Corey Pesaturo, who's an accordionist, world champion, uh, jazz, but he also played classical, plays a lot of like digital accordion, a Roland digital accordion. So when you hear like Roland keyboards, it's the same sound engine basically 
Um, he lives out east, but he was traveling. He was doing a festival in um, L.A. You have his cell phone. You, you're, later this week, you're going to probably have to text him and, and tell him that I probably will not be able to make it to see him. He's going to be in Milwaukee next weekend, but I don't believe I'm going to be able to, to get away, um, unfortunately, but these things are happening here that I, I may not be able to spin away. But we got to get him on the show when his, when his uh, uh, schedule permits. So probably, Joe, since he's a gigging athlete, uh, musician, our best chance of, of, of doing this would be during the week. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's probably not playing. So, um, but it'd be interesting to pick his brain and hear from him because you guys always hear me talk about music. You'll hear his insights, his training regimen, his practice routine. And even though none of you probably want to play the accordion, forget it. It doesn't. It's about music. It's about a high level of achievement and how you can adapt that to your training. That's what I did. Okay, um, remember. I started heavy into jazz studying after I was done with Stanley Rodvon and I, I was able to incorporate all those years afterwards of development, personal development of myself as a fighter with the jazz. And, and, and it just skyrocketed my ability levels um, to the point where everything just clicked for me. And I also I became more mature physically and emotionally because I was done by 18 and I started heavy with the studying and the music right after that. So, um, and I started with Ronnie when I was 21, but I started taking other, I started studying with other teachers before that. So, because then I had the time, you know. But yeah, Corey's an interesting person. I hope we get him on soon. Yeah, that would be awesome. So we'll try and stay in touch with him and, uh, yeah, I think we, we definitely need to get more music guests on here because I think that's well. That's, that's the thing we want to start, you know, changing it, getting it in a different direction with the podcast. We'll still be about fighting, but if we can go once a month with like a musical artist or an expert in their field, whatever it may be, a doctor or the world's greatest glass blower, who cares? Um, just let this be like a soundstage for people um, to educate all of us. But it's it's the quality people that we want. We want those people that you can pick something that they say and utilize it in your life, no matter what it may be. Because Joe and I don't have all the answers, but when you start grabbing from different folks, different walks of life, you're going to find out that there's a similarity with greatness, okay? There's people that, no matter what it is that they did, when they become that great at something, you're going to find there's commonalities. And that's what you have to strive for, those commonalities, okay? And say, hey, I can, I need that. I need that attribute in my life. That's what's missing. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, but yeah, uh, we were hoping to have Martin on. He wasn't 100% sure that he could make it today. Obviously, he didn't. His wife, oh boy, he told me twice, and I don't remember. I think it was today, was running in some, I think she was running some race, foot race, I believe. Um, I know there's a marathon in the area. Just, uh, yeah, so, that's so, probably it. 
Yeah, I don't think it's the Chicago Marathon, but I think, uh, yeah, there's definitely one going on in the area. So you got that halo thing going again. This isn't a coincidence. I think you're just having a stroke. Can you see? <laughs> I mean, your ears are pink right now. When you see the video, you'll know yeah. what I'm talking about. Because no, the sunlight is... sun's right behind me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we like, got to do this at Christmas. Close Encounters? That's what this is. Maybe I'm, being, <laughs> I'm about to be abducted. So I can report back on the probing next week when I'm when I'm returned to Earth. So... Yeah, well, they'll probably be doing some probing on me coming up shortly. So I got I got my first doctor's appointment, I think, since since I had my shoulder surgery back in 2009 is when I had the surgery. But 2008 is when I went to see the doctors and shit. It's a long time. So, yeah, I got to go this Tuesday. It'll probably she'll probably be the first of many. Um, so uh, we got to see if they're going to schedule me for testing this week. And. All of that jazz. So, uh, but yeah, yeah. There's papers I have to sign to get you the care you need, if you know what I mean. Get assigned to the proper institutions. Just let me know. I can get those signed because I think everybody's waiting for that to happen. So we're all rooting for you, Tony. Yeah, there's that one institution out of where is it? The ranch in Reno, Nevada. You could send me there for rehabilitation. <laughs> you know that that wouldn't be a bad idea. But no, anyway, that's probably it today for the podcast. Um, and we'll hopefully see you guys. Well, we'll see you guys next week, but hopefully we'll see you guys uh, at one of the uh, upcoming seminars in October. Uh, block out the weekend of the 15th, 16th. Hell, come to both of them. Um, and again, if anybody's interested in training with me, uh, reach out to the website um, for intensive training. Uh, I'm actually also thinking about doing a strictly uh cardio fitness torture days you know like a three day of me just barking out conditioning exercises for you to do uh over and over again to try to get you like a fitness boot camp um but we'll we'll talk about all of that but anyway i just want to thank everybody for listening and um thank you joe for being here you're welcome and yeah and everybody tune in uh next week to hear if uh, tony has learned to love again so. <laughs> yeah yeah. Make sure you 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 yeah, you save the recording. <laughs>